what is emerging from the economic data suggests that we aren't facing some benign slowdown. So says Jeff Snyder in his recent Markets Insider Pro essay blog post. Jeff, what would you call these? I don't know, research piece, uh, maybe an essay, maybe a sort of a, who knows, an article, whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to call it. That's what you can find at Markets Insider Pro. At Epic Times, you write a business column. At Real Clear Markets, you write an essay. We're going to be combining two of those. We're going to be going over the Epic Times September 1st, 2022 article or column, business column, much more of much less demand, as well as out of Markets Insider Pro, the cliff's edge. Uh, you bring up a number of items. Gosh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get up to all of them, but my favorite one is the ADP story. Jeff, I've always imagined that ADP would be the leaders in determining inflections and direction of the employment situation in the United States, getting real-time data about hiring and firing part-time, raises, promotions. But apparently they have not been happy with their data and they did a refurbishment, a recleaning, reorganization, and they recently released their new methodology and new outlook. Can you tell us all about that and what they found? Well, you just, I mean, what you said is actually right, because mm. you would think that a the largest private payroll processor in America could just say, here's our payroll data. We know what payrolls are doing. They're expanding, they're contracting, they're whatever. No, and then in the previous series was much more like an attempt to become the BLS. Mm -hmm. A lot of statistical stuff, a lot of, you know, over analysis. In fact, a lot of really bad attempts at benchmarking, which left ADP unsatisfied. You look at the benchmarks that ADP uh, updated earlier this year, they completely rewrote their data from 2020 and 2021. So I think, you know, you could see it coming where they said, we got to do something different. And then whether or not this, this uh, new methodology had been in the works beforehand, I don't really know. I don't know the story that well, but they've partnered with Stanford Digital Project something or other. So they're really they're really looking at mining their own data. So they're they're trying to become exactly what you said, Emil, which is we've got the payroll figures outside of the Internal Revenue Service who has as much employment data as ADP. So I was going to mention the IRS, Jeff, as the other possible source of getting as fantastic data as we possibly can on this and ADP. You know, what the funny thing is, even the BLS does not get its data from the IRS. When they benchmark, I know we're digressing a little bit here. When the BLS benchmarks the establishment survey, for example, every year in March, they actually match the data with state unemployment insurance payments. So not even using the IRS that, using the state unemployment taxes that come and get collected there. So I guess and the point is that you would think this payroll data is much easier than it actually is. It's actually kind of difficult. And so ADP said, we're going to go back and just redo everything. And they did. They rewrote the entire series. Their benchmark private payroll data goes back to only 2009 rather than 2001, but still very different numbers, very different everything. They took three months off. I think it was June, July, and August. And then, of course, this week they said, "Let's here, here it is. Here's our brand new data. Of course, it's going to be just like every other piece of data because that's kind of what we're shooting for. And instead, they found out that, uh-oh, oh dear, it looks like payroll growth, private payroll growth has slowed precipitously over those three months that they just happened to be in the dark. 
Here is what Nella Richardson, the ADP chief economist, said, quote, Our data suggests a shift toward a more conservative pace of hiring, possibly as companies try to decipher the economy's conflicting signals. And then, of course, you ask, what if only economists are conflicted about companies and the companies are actually seeing things very clearly? It's just like the unexpected downturn in this or that statistic, right, Jeff? They have to hew to what the Federal Reserve, the mainstream narrative is. There's no conflicting signals. Downturn. As an economist, though, as a mainstream economist, though, you can understand, if not condone, this viewpoint, right? It's what does the Fed say? Everybody takes their, if they're not their cues directly from the Fed, they use the same econometric models the Federal Reserve does. And so their interpretation is going to align very closely with the mainstream interpretation, which is that 2021 was a red hot scorching year for the labor market. And so it would stand to reason that it would be relatively good in 2022 at the best, yet it's too good. We've got inflation because the labor market has gotten so tight. There's a labor shortage. It's causing consumer prices, causing wages, all the the Phillips curve stuff that they talk about and stuff into their econometric models. So what we should expect this year is the Federal Reserve to tighten reduce economic activity because God forbid we have a robust labor market that's producing wage gains. We don't want that. So if we're seeing a slowdown in the labor market, it's supposed to be a good thing. It's a red hot economy cooling down, as President Biden said, to something more normal and stable. We are so in tune, Jeff, on this show because I wanted to bring up President Biden as the other source of saying that 2021 was a red hot economy. I just saw one of his tweets where he said that uh, under his administration, that 10 million jobs have been gained, which is of course appalling. Of course, it's just ridiculous as if 2020, nothing happened in that particular year. But you can understand why he is saying that for political gain, political purposes. There's an election coming up. ADP should be ambivalent, apolitical, just calling it as it is. Earlier, I said that that they said that it's an unexpected downturn, that the quote-unquote economy's conflicting signals that we're heading into a downturn. But I put words into Miss Richardson's mouth because that's not what she's saying. We're not going into a downturn. No, quote, we could be at an inflection point from a supercharged job gains to something more normal, not even a downturn just super lovely as opposed to supercharged, wonderful. It's like she pulled that quote directly from the White House website, right? Because that's exactly the message. And so from that perspective, you can see why she's thinking corporations must be conflicted because this is not, the ADP data is not what she says it was. The ADP data suggests that companies are going a tad further than just slowing down to a normal pace. I think the August number was something like 132,000 of gains. It wasn't falling, but that is a really low number for an economy that's supposed to be transitioning from supercharged to normal. What that suggests is that the economy is going from reopening, still struggling to recover from 2020 to suddenly more than a downturn. So she's conflicted because it doesn't, the data doesn't match her preconceived notion. It's not necessarily that companies are conflicted. Because maybe they're seeing things more clearly than she is. Here's the irony, Jeff. 
when she says we are returning to something more normal, that's the sad part. Yeah, I, I knew you would love that part because... Normal. The downturn is yeah, normal. Yeah, normal may not be what you think it is. Exactly. Welcome to the depression. Welcome to the party, as you like to say. Who was that police officer who would say that? McLean, John McLean. Welcome to the party. Oh, yeah, diehard. Ms. Richardson, welcome to the normal. Okay, go on. Yeah, go that's on. the thing. You know, if what if the robust job growth gains were not job growth? They were just reopening. They were just rebounding from the lows and that the price pressures from the supply shock cut off demand for all these companies. Companies aren't conflicted at all. They're just simply reverting to that mean where normal in this other mean does not mean something that the politicians and the Federal Reserve thinks is normal, which is, you know, actual sustained economic growth, but maybe more normal, which is, you know, permanent shock unit root type. Unit root type, Jeff. I'm going to have to throw in that illustration with the ship heading towards the unit root iceberg. Another fantastic David Parkins thumbnail with it absolutely nails the whole thing. Okay, let's see. I'm buying time. I'm buying time here, Jeff. You said more than a downturn earlier, a few minutes ago. And that's something that you're also suggesting in your Markets Pro Insider article, The Cliff's Edge, where you say, what is emerging from the global data isn't some benign slowdown. And I just wanted to reference a podcast that I heard, Macro Voices, with Lakshman Achuthan, who is the head of the Economic Cycle Research Institute. And he too suggests that what we haven't, the party hasn't even started. And there was a whole discussion with Eric regarding how do you define a recession? And it was a persistent and pervasive and pronounced slowdown over four different measures, sales, jobs, output, and one more item. Oh, but it was very, it was very well organized train of thought. How we tie it into this show here is that uh, Lakshman made the point that the thing he's not seeing yet is the slowdown, the contraction in the jobs market, right? It's not happening quite yet. Now, he didn't say it doesn't mean there's not a recession happening because we've seen it in previous instances where the slowdown in jobs didn't take place until actually deeper into the recession. But that was his only hesitancy in not saying, yes, for sure we're in a recession or something worse. Is But he agreed with you that what's coming ahead of us is worse. And he did it on a long leading indicator. He did it on a global basis. We can go over some of these global measures that you do in your article here. But before we do, do we want to talk about the employment data, the household survey that just came out the day before? Today's the 3rd, Jeff, of September, the 3rd, Saturday. So on the 2nd, we got some labor market data out of the U.S. What was that data? Yeah, and I think that's the point. I mean... The labor market data doesn't show the kind of mass layoffs that you would associate with the meat or the thick of recession. We're not at that point yet, which is why that's the terrifying thought that it's still in front of us. But we are seeing the processes that companies undertake that is usually associated with the beginning stages of recession. And think about it. You're a business owner, you know, got too much inventory or, you know, in this case, you got the rising cost of gasoline, fuel, energy, all these other things. They're pressuring your profits. And then, oh, by the way, revenues are starting to look a little soft. Projections of revenues are looking even softer. You've got cost pressures. You've got inventory. You've got all this other stuff. What do you do? 
you start to look at cost cutting where you can. And that doesn't mean you, you just start laying off workers. You start firing people en masse because you're not really sure that, that you need to go that far just yet. But you do start to do some proactive methods to try to get your costs under control. So you might say, well, I'm not going to hire any more workers. No matter what, I mean, I might need workers, but I can't afford to hire any more. So we're going to institute a hiring freeze. And you also look at it and say, look at your payrolls and say, I might have to cut some hours here. I don't want to let these people go, but I can't afford to pay them at full time. So I'm going to have to shift some of my, my workers from full time to part time. You take these very specific, but yet not extreme measures of cost cutting on your labor force, because that's where you have the most discretion. You can't certainly change the materials cost. I mean, you could do some things to lower your you know, fuel usage, fuel consumption and things like that. But labor is where you have the most discretion. And we are absolutely seeing those things across the entire labor data. In fact, that's the point I was making about the cliff. The cliff was in March. You see it everywhere. The ADP, the establishment survey, the household survey, even the establishment survey shows that there is a material slowdown right in March. From March forward, even though the numbers look good, that's most, mostly artificial statistical processes related to how the establishment service put together. But even the establishment survey says the labor market slowed down in March. The household survey takes it another step further where it looks like, yeah, total hiring freeze. Household jobs are flat over the last five months, going back to April. And not only that, when you look in, inside the household survey data, which gives us a breakdown between full-time jobs and part-time jobs, the level of full-time jobs has been contracting since April. So in the last month, the level of part-time jobs jumped, which is why the household survey has been up over the last couple of months, because part-time jobs are increasing at the same time full-time jobs are decreasing. So we do have very solid evidence, ADP, CES, as well as the CPS, which tells us that companies are doing something. Most of the data like ADP and the household survey suggest hiring freezes, converting full-time jobs into part-time jobs, which are consistent with the opening stages or the beginning stages of recession. And again, it's, it's not just in the United States, it's across the rest of the world, but primarily the U.S. data is specific. March and April is when it all started to happen, and it kind of accelerated a little bit into um, especially July and August. That uh, establishment survey, we've talked about it before on this show, is the statistical equivalent of the Suez Canal. There's no space for the data to go left or right. So it's during these inflections, the change in the economy, it's the household survey that we want to be looking to. And Jeff, earlier I made some, some remarks. I raised my eyebrows and I grimaced regarding President Biden's comments about the, about how wonderful the economy has been. But I, so now to be on the opposite side, I suppose it is fair to say that good people can disagree regarding whether or not we're in a recession yet, just like Lakshman did in the Macro Voices appearance. But yeah, I think the people that I follow are in agreement that what's ahead is almost certainly going to be a recession, if not worse. The cliff's edge Jeff, you mentioned, I know that was March. I'm saying there's another cliff's edge ahead of us. You mentioned it's not just the U.S. And in this article, you mentioned, let's see, the retail sales in Europe, the PMIs in China. Do you want to go over any of those, raise those with the, with the audience? Oh, here's another one. I want to go back to the U.S. Talk about how much motor fuel 
how much gasoline we're using at this point right now, the peak driving season. It's astounding. Please bring that one up before we go worldwide. It's unbelievable. Uh, the U.S. Energy Information Administration's weekly energy market report gives us a sense of not just how much crude oil is being produced, how much is being stored, where it's being stored and all that kind of stuff, but also gives us a measure of how much is actually being supplied to the economy, which means demand. And the level of gasoline being used is just astoundingly low. It's obviously volatile on a weekly basis, so you do an average. And right now, the latest data this week showed that for August, we are averaging less gasoline being used in the entire economy than in the same weeks, the same month of 2020. How can that possibly be? You know, that's, that's the thing. People are saying, well, this data must be wrong. How can the economy possibly is bad today, in, at least in terms of driving? And let's face it, driving does not mean, you know, driving for vacation. It means driving to work. It means driving while you're at work. It means delivering goods and all this other stuff. So how can the gasoline use numbers be as bad today as we were as in the summer of 2020? Because remember 2020, people were locked down. People were not working. People were not doing things. It boggles a lot of people's mind, especially, you know, economists and uh, anybody who follows the, na the mainstream narrative that the, this is a robust economy merely slowing down. That's another one that says, no, this is highly unusual weakness here, that the downturn is more than just a helpful slowdown to stable. We're actually operating at a very low level. And it's not just gasoline usage, overall petroleum supplied usage. Those numbers are down at the lower end of the historical range, not as awful as gasoline for obvious reasons, because gasoline is the prices have been extremely high. But also we see a lot of other numbers, too, in the strict stake staying with the U.S. here. S&P Global Services PMI down at 44. That's a level that's consistent with the summer of 2020. The various Fed regional manufacturing surveys usually take an average of the five of those. You see the new orders component as well as the headliner, but specifically new orders. Guess what? They have not been this low since before the summer of 2020. They're consistent with an economy like 2008's economy. So it's not like we only see gasoline usage. There's a growing number of economic accounts that are moving in that direction having already reached really bad recession levels. And then you look outside the U.S., you see similar stuff going on there. Similar? Gosh, are we promoting uh, Macro Voice and Lakshman Chuthan? Are they our sponsors? I don't know, but I think really highly of their work. Lakshman has a 21-country leading index. Down, 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 nothing. Nothing on the horizon that looks positive worldwide. And he made that specific point. Global recession on the horizon. Yeah. Well, that's what we talk. I mean, globally synchronized. That was China. Globally, our problem US. with globally synchronized growth in 2017 was not the globally synchronized part. It was calling it growth. The economy is synchronized. It's always been synchronized, at least, you know, during the Eurodollar era, because that's what happens. It's not like there are islands of safety where you can shelter from the, from the storm. And, you know, the, just bringing up the European retail sales number, mm. because I think those are appropriate as, as far as describing what's really happening to consumer demand in particular, where you see nominal retail sales are up. I forget the exact number, but when you adjust for prices, they're way down. So consumers who are paying more to get less, that's a recipe for really nasty recession. At some point, especially when businesses say, we've had enough price pressures, we can't pass these costs on to our consumers, because consumers can't afford them, obviously. 
and it all just kind of falls apart. That's the, as you were saying, Emil, we've already hit the one cliff. And most cliffs, you think you go off the cliff and it's kind of, it's kind of a gentle decline at first and then it really falls off. And I think that's where we are. March was sort of the going off the cliff, but we're in the sort of the gentle downslope part. And then, as you said, everybody kind of agrees that the, the real cliff, the real vertical drop is still ahead of us because as all of these things really start to hit all at the same time, businesses start laying off workers. Guess what that's going to do to consumer demand? It's going to tank it even more, which means businesses have to lay off even more workers, which gets you into the self-reinforcing processes that we associate with hardcore, thick of recession. So maybe we're in recession right now. Maybe we're not. I don't think it actually matters because, as you said, Emil, it's all still in front of us. 